Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. My name is Steve Waite. I'll be your host today. For those of you who don't know the Business Centre, we are a not-for-profit organisation with a 35-year history of helping small businesses in regional New South Wales. Now, at any time of disruption in our economy, in our society and in our personal lives, there is a normal impact on us as humans, perhaps from the stress of it and from the effect of change and what disorder it can often cause in our lives, in our communities and in our businesses. Today we'd like to view this from the perspective of rural and regional small business owners and how they have had to adapt through not only COVID-19 but drought, bushfires and floods and how they are adapting now to disruption in rural and regional New South Wales and Australia in what might well be, Sue, a new normal that you've noted. So today we've got here an opportunity to delve into hearing about this through an initiative called the Great Lakes Food Trail. So imagine if you can, whether it's freshly grown produce, craft beer, fine wines, seafood, sweet treats, or other bounties of a region, but there was an easy way to find and follow all of that bounty through a thoughtful, curated way by visiting local producers, breweries, farms, vineyards, or taking an educational tour, or simply by dropping into where these producers and providors are along on a trail and you can have an amazing tasting experience uh, along the way. To tell us more about this model, how it came to be and how it works and what they have done in response to disruption and how they are approaching it now in, in this new disruption is Sue Williams from the uh, Great Lakes Food Trail. Sue's farms, slow-grown heritage chickens on the family farm at Topi in the hinterland of Seal Rocks and the Great Lakes Food Trail is about an hour north of Sydney for, to give you a bit of perspective in New South Wales. As the founder of the Great Lakes Food Trail, Sue works closely with producers, providors and government agencies to foster and strengthen community connections. It's all about connection. Mm. Okay, time for us to start our conversation and time for us, I guess the best place to start is how did we come about with this idea of the Great Lakes Food Trail? I know that it's like-minded producers, common goals of connecting, but you've got some core values as well about real food and what that stands for. And we had a wonderful conversation preparing for this conversation today. But tell us a bit more about how did, how did it come about? What was, the, what was the thinking behind it, Sue? The food trail initially was formed as part of a land care um, sustainable farming group okay. called Topi Topi, which yep. is in between uh, Wooten and Bungwall, it's a yep. fairly big parish and yep. district. Yep. And uh, we were looking at ways of fostering um, a lot of green changes and other professional farmers to work together and develop yep. food in an area that wasn't well known yeah. for food production. Yeah, you were saying, I guess, typically people would have associated seafood with that part of the world, but much more than Correct. that is there. Yeah, like um, the Great Lakes produces 70% of Australia's oysters wow. and ships an enormous amount of beautiful, fresh seafood yeah. Yeah. to Sydney regularly, yeah. but wasn't known for farming um, or dairies or other food production so, gardens. So did this come about because of a community need, a perception in the community that, that things weren't going well, you wanted things to go better or, or what, 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 it was a whole range of things going on, economic, environmental, all connected? There was a lot of economic discussions about the difficulty of um, um, being viable as a, f a small producer or a yeah. family farm yeah. um, because there's not a lot of infrastructure to be able to mm -hmm. uh, pack and deliver produce. 
okay. and get your, you might be able to grow it okay, but being yep. able to pack, store and and distribute is a challenge of many small producers Australia-wide. So we were talking about that earlier. So it's not that many of our regional parts of our state don't have the fresh produce. It's the change in the way that we have food and, and have food delivered to our community and to our consumers. So you want to tell us more about that, some of the obstacles, but some of the opportunities that exist there mm. for local producers, just the logistics of it. So the biggest obstacle in the Great Lakes is we don't have any cool room delivery or packing or so storage what does that facility. Mean? What does that mean? That means that there's nowhere for farmers to pack their produce, uh, store it or, and no way to deliver it. Yep. to anybody else, whether yep. it be Sydney or in in just local yep. suburbs. Yeah, and, and, and why why is that? What used to exist before? There used to be a, a Great Lakes ice delivery service, but they shut down many years ago. And yep. I guess it's a catch-22. Because it wasn't known as a food growing area, yep. Yep. there wasn't the facilities. So we just yep. had to start the ball rolling yep. by supporting the farmers and trying to identify the needs and gaps. Yeah, yep. so the, 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 you know, the larger corporate uh, businesses and organisations have developed real efficiency, haven't they? And, and we need that at a, yep. you know, in, with growing populations. We need mm. that. But at the same time, consumers and environment and environmental disruptions such as now kind of make it evident, don't, doesn't it, that, that there is provision for and there is a demand for fresh food yes. for, for local produce, isn't there? And there's a big demand for ethical produce. Um, so people want to know how their food uh, was grown. Mm -hmm. If you have healthy animals, then yeah. they're producing healthy mm. food. Yeah. Um, and to do large-scale farming, um, you have to use feedlots and sheds yeah. for eggs. Yeah. But the small producers are able to graze their animals on fresh, beautiful, nutrient-dense pastures normally. Yeah. And that actually adds to the health of the animal and the food that you're eating. And consumers understand this. Yeah. They know the difference between pasture-raised and shed yeah. eggs yeah. or meat. And there's a demand there. So some of the producers mm. in the food trail, not all, but some of the producers in the food trail are producing high-quality, organic, ethical produce and that's, that's demanded by who? Where does it go to? What are some of the other organisations or businesses that consume that? We could probably send everything to Sydney and sell out quickly, Yep. but we would like to also retain some of the produce locally so that we can make a connection with our community. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of effort in actually raising awareness of what the benefits of pasture-raised yep. produce are. Yep. And also uh, we try to tackle that through education programs and yep. online. Okay. But also, be able to deliver it locally is, is, is a bigger challenge than getting it to Sydney. Yeah. And I guess for you and for the food trail and for the producers, what you had to do was quickly adapt, as many of us have had to do in recent weeks, mm. to, to because you couldn't have your event that mm. you normally have. Is that right? How does that, how does that event work and what did you do to capture that mm. back into, I guess, a web-based platform? We were going to hold our um, autumn food trail farm gate event yeah. where all the producers work together mm -hmm. to open the farms and uh, show people how their um, wine is blended, their beers crafted and uh, how the animals are, are raised. Mm. 
Um, however, of course, we can often get up to a thousand people through on the food trail. Mm. So it became obvious, I think, late January to yeah. us that yeah. there was a chance we wouldn't be able to go ahead. Yeah. And after much discussion and uh, innovation, we decided to produce an online event yeah. in yeah. April. Yeah, that's amazing. So mm. Katrina was an example of that yes. and, and the farm because they had a whole lot of produce that, that needed to find a marketplace. So they'd just come out of their best week ever <laughs> for the Kitchen Gate uh, Cafe where they grow their own vegetables yeah. and source local mm. uh, pasture-raised meat. Mm -hmm. and produce beautiful meals mm. in the district mm. at, at their farm. Yeah. And um, like everyone else, they were told mm. that the cafe had to be shut to the public. Yeah. They had the choice of doing takeaway and chose not to. Yeah. They wanted to focus on the farm as well. Yeah. So for about 24 hours, they, they were just thinking, well, what do we do now? Like mm. many other Australians mm. were thinking. Mm. Um, and um, we discussed it and said, well, maybe we can sell your meals mm. and your beautiful market garden vegetables mm. on our online shop. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Now, before we, I'm going to ask you, how are you going and fearing all this? Mm. Before I do that, just tell me some of the other partners that are part of, of, of your model. I know, I know that there's another agencies, Landcare is one. Who are some of the other players that support the model or We've been very it? fortunate that the first discussion we ever had about the food trail three, three and a half years ago was uh, with uh, local land services mm -hmm. and land care and, and our council yeah. uh, tourism section. Yeah. And we looked at how we could better connect as a group yeah. and a community. Yeah. And um, that's how we were able to get support for branding and other things to get us going a bit yeah. quicker, get our brochures produced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now we still have an ongoing beneficial relationship with those three agencies yeah. who we wouldn't have been able to do the food trial without yeah. them, not as successfully anyway. Yeah. And, and, and the, we were talking about you on the weekend, uh, I went through the website. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful website. It really gives you a sense of of the experience but it's also got the insights and the individual members so people mm. are members of the, the, food, trial, of the yes. food trial yeah and that's how it works we have two types of memberships we mm -hmm. looked at all the other models mm -hmm. in australia for these kind of activities yep. uh, we are as far as we know the only producer run mm -hmm. um, event of its its type where the producers have auto autonomy on how we're governed and managed yeah and um, what we, we were able to set up with the support of the council who did the branding, mm -hmm. the um, Great Lakes Council at the time yep. for tourism, and then uh, a company that they worked with called Heath and Hoff yep. helped us develop the branding and the, f and the website. Yep. So we were really fortunate yep. there to get sponsored by the, both the council and Heath and Hoff. Yeah. Um, and then local land services and land care yep. Uh, Landcare helped us develop the banners that go up on the farm gate yep. and have given us ongoing funding yeah. along with local land services for running the event each yeah. year for promotion yeah. and developing educational workshops. Yeah, that's mm. brilliant. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. How has this been for you, this specific event, COVID-19? What's it been like for your business, for you know, the whole experience? How have, 
How's the impact been? When it first happened, I, I spoke to a few farmers at some of the, the meetings we were having and we were all saying how bad the drought and the fires had been mm. and then we knew this was also coming early mm. on. Mm. And at the time, most of us agreed that the drought probably and the fires were, were going to be worse than the virus or mm. the global pandemic. Yeah not in, in relation to loss of uh, life, mm -hmm. which is bad on all counts, of course. but in relationship to business as usual. Yeah. So I, I sat down and I thought six months ago, I'm sitting in a dust storm. Mm. What am I doing on a farm? Why don't I go back to Newcastle and <laughs> just you know enjoy yeah. my life? Mm. And then when the pandemic became evident late January, mm. I thought, Fantastic, I'm on a farm, I'm isolated, yes. I'm in the bush. Yes. So it's been a bit of a yeah. roller coaster road for our family and many others yeah. in the district. Yeah. Uh, farmers are often used to working on their own yes. or just with limited numbers. So probably in that sense, much easier for us to isolate mm -hmm. and follow the social distancing requirements. Yes. Um, in regards to supply of parts for tractors and other machinery, mm. um, that's been pretty tough because yeah. a lot of that's exported. We don't manufacture yes. very much in Australia, which is really sad. Yes, you're mentioning small, mm. a small piece of equipment can hold yeah. up a whole organisation because it's not here. Exactly right. Yeah. And I, I know they had the same problem in Sydney with the, the sewerage system that they were waiting on chemicals to come in from yeah. China yeah. and the supplies were getting lower. Yeah. So we're... There's vulnerabilities in supply chains that I think have become highlighted yeah. over the last six yeah. six months. Yeah. Um, and also I think um, just working on the farm's been both glorious as well as having to consider mm. how we operate effectively mm. within a community that mm. has to be locked into small yep. houses and apartments. Yep, indeed. Okay, so one of the things I'd like to ask next is is about, you know, how was the drought and fire now com compared to this? And tell us a little bit about, about although the, the district that you're in was not as affected as other parts of New South Wales mm. from the drought, in the last 18 months that, that was the case. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, th some of the things about, you know, feed costs and, and other adverse effects and destocking and, mm. and, you know, breeding stock, the impact that that has economically on a, on a small rural business as, mm. as, as a business. What are some of the, the things that, that you had to face and, and that have faced small businesses? Well, I think everyone Australia-wide's been grappling with um, the cost of feed doubling Yes. Over the last few years due to the drought. Yeah. And having to more recently import some grain from uh, overseas, whereas mm. typically Australia is an exporter, not mm. an importer of grain. Yeah. On the Great Lakes and Barrington Coast, where we live, we are a little bit more blessed yep. with a higher rainfall than most. Yeah. But it's certainly uh, bit in over the last year and mm. like many of our inland counterparts, mm. many producers had to destock. Mm. So um, having to sell stock when the prices are, are low mm. is heartbreaking. Mm. And the time it takes to restock after when it does rain is considerable. So it's not something you bounce straight back from. Yeah. So with regards to closures and has there been, has there any, has there been any closures of businesses or people had to had to move on? Has that happened in your community? In our community, I've noticed a lot of shops shutting yeah. that support the rural areas and yeah. are critical. Yeah. 
And especially around the bigger towns, it mm. seems that every third shop mm. is shut, mm. which is very depressing mm. and obviously heartbreaking for the families that had to close their business. Mm. All right, I want to move on now to uh, a sort of a two-part question. The first part was, uh, how has the Great Lakes food trail changed due to this disruption? And, mm. and I know that we spoke of similar models around Australia, but there's one other that we might talk about, which is Serendipity mm -hmm. Ice Cream mm -hmm. in, in Sydney, which is a metropolitan setting. But just tell us a little bit about what the Great Lakes food trailers had to do, um, you know, to adapt in order to stay connected during this pandemic. What, have, what, have, what else have you done? Well, a lot of our producers, whether they be farmers or providors of um, other products such as wine and beer, have had quite a shock to their system. A yeah. lot of their income was at festivals and markets. Yeah. And so their cash flows just dropped yep. substantially. So fundamental business cash Yeah, flow. and yeah. with craft beer, and I was listening on the radio yeah. this morning, it's yes. affecting every craft beer business in mm. Australia. You know, they had all these kegs ready to go for functions that yep. couldn't be used because yep. all the hotels, bars and restaurants yep. had to uh, shut down. And it's um, almost impossible to be able to put, once you've put beer into a keg, to be able to can it. Mm. So considerable losses for small businesses and medium-sized businesses okay. in those areas. Yeah. And also loss of cash flow. Um, yeah. One of our producers uh, used to make cheese locally yeah. and then there was a disruption to milk supply. So yeah. they, they weren't able to uh, work as a, a cheese maker. Mm -hmm. It's just the flow-on effects being quite significant. Mm. And, and as you say, you don't have what you had in the past, for example, the cold storage facility either. So Correct. if you've got bulk or you've got a whole range of stuff that you'd plan to sell, there's no facility to store it. Or if there is, there's going to be a cost, isn't there, to storage? Well, there's no community facilities at all for packaging, handling. Uh, we've lost many of our abattoirs, mm -hmm. uh, which means that people or farmers, sorry, have to drive five to eight hours mm. to the nearest abattoir so to process the food. So they've got this beautiful produce, organic, yeah. ethically produced of, of high value, mm. but we don't have the infrastructure any longer because we've, we've, we've brought all that together and we have more sophisticated supply chains where you're saying some of the corporates go from all the way from seed right through to, you know, to the customer. Yes. So, but there are some examples, aren't there, of some innovations around abattoirs and, and mobile abattoirs and, and there are some models. Do you want to just give us a bit of a sense of how that might work or how it does work? There's some successful stories. Um, extraordinary pork in mm -hmm. central New South Wales. Um, that farmer actually had to become a meat inspector, which took time and money mm -hmm. away from the farm. Mm -hmm. And then he built his own um, facility for processing pork. Mm. And he successfully yeah. um, sells and distributes his pork yeah. to rural and metropolitan areas yeah. and is very well regarded. So he's had to become, um, he's had to expand his core business to be able to maintain the food chain, yeah. which really isn't um, something you could reproduce for everybody. Yeah. Not everyone would have the no. the, the, the funds no. and the resilience and, 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 time. and the time yeah, indeed. to do that. Now, your particular initiative, though, with regards to the food trail has been the farm to fridge strategy, hasn't it? So what, is, what has that been? So about a year ago, we started with the a concept. A year ago, before COVID. Yeah, <laughs> we started with the concept of how do we connect with the community yeah. when the food trail events, which happen four times a year, yeah. are not happening. Yes. Like people come to the event, they want to keep ordering, 
the beautiful cheese from Burradark or the beautiful lamb from Yo Farm? Mm -hmm. How do they keep doing that when we're not open? Mm -hmm. And some farmers were in a position to be able to direct sell mm -hmm. um, and set up some infrastructure on a small scale to do that, and yep. many others weren't. Mm -hmm. So we thought if we could connect weekly by offering our local community the ability to buy any produce or product from the Great Lakes Food Trail. Yep. And then the farmers themselves would pack it mm -hmm. um, and deliver it on a Friday. Yeah. Then we would be able to still tell our story, yes. keep connected yes. and importantly develop a weekly cash flow that wasn't yeah. relying upon markets or commercial traditional shopping methods. Yeah. Yeah. So that had to be ramped up very quickly yeah. in January because it was really a very tiny yeah. pilot yeah. study before then. But it's great that you, 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 your group had time to consider yes. consider that and the timing was yes. fortunate, but nevertheless, it's something you were looking at doing and having to do anyway. We had three months to prepare really yeah. before the, um, the demand for the produce yeah. escalated yeah. about um, two, three hundred percent. Yeah, and for Katrina, that meant that, that, that it, it provided a cash flow and that produce didn't get wasted. Yeah, it, it created a vehicle in yeah. which people could rapidly change within a week yeah. to the previous yeah. pandemic yeah. model, yeah. to the post-pandemic yes. yes. model. It was an opportunity. Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au. Dave asks, I run a small cafe in Newcastle. Can you supply to the Newcastle area? Yes, we can. You can. There you go, Dave. Suzanne asks, even beyond this pandemic, do you believe there is a future for small scale farms to survive and thrive by selling to direct customers? What are the blockages to this? I think we've covered some of that, but have you, have yeah. you spoken about uh, logistics storage in your group? We currently um, have a working party with local land services mm -hmm. um, and land care um, and the farmers, then we're mapping out what we're missing with a view to maybe looking at some of these grants helping a, a larger community than just one or two farms. Mm, mm, so mm. instead of saying, I oh, will give each farmer a small amount of money, we're looking at if we all put our eggs you together, <laughs> can we get something that works commercially? Yeah, yeah. All right, got Pat here. Due to the time lag of farm reproduction, how quickly do you think a farm can recover from the fires, drought and now COVID-19? I mean, oh you, you're living it. What's, what do you, what's it like? It really depends on whether you lost your topsoil like how wow. long you're in drought because yeah. uh, especially inland um you probably saw the news when there were these massive dust storms and mm -hmm. everyone's topsoil was being blown away for want of a better mm -hmm. word mm -hmm. it takes time to rebuild the biodiversity in the ground yes. Yes. um so if you destocked in time mm -hmm. you're in a better position then to maintain your grass cover mm -hmm. and therefore once it rained mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been washed away mm -hmm. down the river system mm -hmm. so it was a double whammy if you lost your topsoil yeah. very yeah. heartbreaking okay we've got a really good question here because i know we did have more of a conversation about this before we began uh, and, and you actually picked up a great book, which we have here, which in, in the, the back description of it says, in a world filled with disruptions of all kinds, from financial crises to climate change, scientists, social innovators, leaders, and citizens are alike asking the same basic question. What causes one system to break down 
and another to rebound. How do we build better shock absorbers for ourselves mm. and our communities, our economies, for the planet and the world? And that book's called Resilience by Andrew Zolli and Anne-Marie Healy. So Wendy asks, please, can you go deeper into the ethical side of the food trail? What, sure. Yeah, give us a sense of that. So we have uh, core values that we developed. When we first came together as a group, and there was only four to six of us, we've got about 15 now, Yeah. Um, everyone came from their own perspective, whether it was organic, whether it was regenerative, whether, yeah. whether it was horticulture, yeah. permaculture, yeah. Yeah. every kind of culture. Yeah. Um, and everyone had their own core values. So it was important to whiteboard what the key points were. And when we put it up on a whiteboard, it mm. started to actually look like our outcome statement of real food. Mm -hmm. So with only a little bit of... Yeah. Um, moving around, we came yeah. up with the core values of yeah. real food, which is wholesome pr food yeah. Yeah. produced without chemicals yes. in, in ways that actually benefit the land and yes. regenerate the land yes. uh, and our environment. Okay, and that's set out on your website beautifully. Yes. Uh, so people can, can get a sense of what those yeah. core values are. There's about eight or nine there. There's um, eight, eight for the words okay. real food. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. But it's not, you, you're aware of, because I guess you're in this network of, of organisations or, or, or collaborations similar to yours, and, and we did speak about another example in, in Sydney, which, which you might just give us a bit of an insight into, because it's not just, it's connecting up everything, and that's, uh, that's Serendipity Ice Cream. Mm. Uh, Serendipity Ice Cream have a, a really strong connection with the Great Lakes Food Trail. Yeah. As an egg farmer, yeah. uh, we were supplying eggs to them for yep. some of their premium ice creams, which yep. are absolutely delicious. <laughs> and they also have a property in our district as well as in Sydney. So they were key stakeholders and actually do sell their uh, farm to fridge line mm -hmm. on our website, mm -hmm. um, which is made from local produce. Yep. Um, they also looked at how they could keep their workforce employed. Mm. So instead of um, traditionally selling um, their produce or their ice cream to cafes and restaurants and airlines that were, were closed, yep. how can we keep our workforce operating Engaged, yeah. to the best of our ability with, you know, in this, in this economy? Yep. And they set up the Great Australian Bite, B-I-T-E. Yep. And so they are delivering their products um, yep. to directly to the consumer, yeah. along with other products that are made locally in their region yes. and therefore easier to collaborate with yes. and get their product directly to people's homes. Yeah. So a connection of a type yes. in a time like this allows for more connection of another yeah. type. And so it's a wonderful story. Now, we're talking about ethics earlier. And our next question, and we're getting towards you know, getting towards the end of our conversation, which has been fantastic. I, I want to ask you a question about what is the future? What, you know, what is the good and bad? Has consumer behaviour changed forever? And I know when we spoke about that, you sent me your thoughts on this. And what you said was at the end of your, of your, your, your response to this, you said doing the same thing over and over again is, is, is like and expecting a different result. Is, which is Einstein's definition of insanity. Yeah. So tell us more about your thoughts about the future and about consumer behaviour changing. Well, I don't, think, I don't think we can expect the people that created the problem that we're in environmentally to fix it. Yes. People are normally blinded to their own shortfalls. Yes. And I think it's up to the consumers that are enjoying 
getting back to the grassroots yes. and maybe putting a couple of chickens in their backyard, maybe growing a few vegetables or herbs, yeah. saying, I really like this connection. Yes. I care deeply about my environment and I care deeply about how my food's yes. produced. Yes. And I think it's up to the consumers to actually maintain that desire yeah. and actually mandate it from their leaders. Yes. Um, I, I believe that if we as a community mm very clearly articulate to mm. the government that mm. this is our expectation consistently, mm -hmm. then I think the government will listen. And actually, hopefully, as we pull out of the lockdown, we might consider renewables instead of traditional yeah. uh, energy yeah. Um, yeah. resources. Yeah. So it, it is of its, of its nature, it is a very philosophical and ethical thing. That, that we've spoken about with this model, with you having a property, with you wanting to run that property in a way that was responsible, that was uh, responsive, and but also it's a small business and, and bringing people together and then connecting to the consumer. I think it's a good point that you make. I think it's really important mm. for other communities to do what works for them mm. and find like-minded people mm. and work together where possible. Mm. There has to be that desire mm. and uh, appreciation of what each other does mm. to be able to support each other. Mm. But I do know that together as the Great Lakes Food Trail, we're yeah. stronger yeah. than as individual producers. And, that, and that's the point that you made to me. Mm. The Great Lakes Food Trail has no ambition to go global, no. but you are very much of a view that you're willing to share for other regions of the model mm. and people can contact us mm. about that and we can put them in touch with you. But it's about connection of, of small business, produce, community mm. uh, and environment all mm. together, isn't it? Then And then I guess the part that we, we, we haven't really resolved yet, but you said you guys are beginning to look at it, is, is the infrastructure, if you yes. like, you know, the, the ice, the storage, the logistics, the mm. transport, that type of thing. Mm. Um, and, and as we spoke about, the, the, the security, the food security element of this has come to the fore, hasn't it? You had some thoughts about that as well. Yeah, I think food security and food resilience, um, they really are important no matter what, what adverse event we're facing, whether it's mm. fire or, or drought mm. or virus um, or, or floods. Mm. Uh, and we've experienced them all. Yes. And, and it's really been Indeed. a tough a tough five to six years mm. for many producers. Mm. And I'm sure most consumers would prefer farmers to keep farming and mm. not have to import food from overseas. Mm. So I think it's important for local areas to develop their own resilience and work with their local key stakeholders. And yeah. if there's any way we can help people by showing what we did right and wrong in the beginning <laughs> yes. and what our learnings are, then yeah. be really happy to do that Indeed. because I think there's a place for supermarkets and there's also a place for Australian farmers. Yes. But quite often they're different models. Yes, indeed. The farmers need to have some control mm. over the price point and yes. not be locked into untenable uh, yeah. situations where they're only earning $2 an hour. Yeah. Create your own Big Bang and see your business idea come to life 
Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code BIGBANG to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. Now, I know that you were hesitant to say that you had the, all the tips for success, but it's something that we do ask each guest speaker mm. to do mm. towards the end of our conversation. So would it be okay if you just, just guide us through what you would see for you as, as uh, five top tips for rural and regional businesses to survive COVID-19 disruption? Well, once you know what your your core product is mm-hmm. and what your points of difference are, it's very important to get your message out mm. on multiple forums. Like, I'm not particularly good on social media, yep. but there's another clever lady called M. Yo who runs yep. Yo Farm with her family yep. um, that is. Yep. And so we rely on each other yep. to fill those gaps. Yep. So just because you can't use social media doesn't mean someone else can't help you. Yep. Um, conversely, someone else might be good at um, looking through what the food safety and security requirements yes. are with governments. Yes. Um, there's places that help, like the business centre here, yes. yep. and there's also a lot of support in, in joining land care yes. and, and um, being an active member of local land services too. Okay, and your next one was find ways to connect and stay connected. Yeah, staying connected is difficult Mm because quite often when you have a a quick success, like I'm sure in March everyone saw, look, can you sell me a whole cow? Well, actually no, but this is what we can do and where you can get the product. So we went through this... um, splurge of cash that people were trying to get meat because they they perceived that the Australian food uh, supply system would let them down and had there not been panic buying, they probably wouldn't have seen that as a problem. And it's settled down now, which Mm. is great. Mm. Um, But I think it's very important to uh, understand that that it's a roller coaster ride with produce. You're going to have different sorts of problems mm. each week as mm. a producer mm. and coming up with systems that help you stay connected and help you get your message out in multiple yeah. forms okay. is really important. Okay. What works this week might not work next week. Indeed. Well, there's so many changes. There's yes. different phases yeah. and you may bounce back or yep. go forward. Okay. Uh, next one was find ways to adopt to in- increasing social changes. That's a really difficult one because um, the changes are are quite rapid Mm. or have been this year. Mm. And I think we're used to slower and incremental changes Mm. in agriculture, but Mm. um, lately it's been rapid. Mm. Um, So I think think what we have to do is have a a plan that is covering business continuity and resilience so that we have more than one avenue to sell our produce. Like it would be terrible if everybody wanted to sell everything they made just to on farm to fridge, yep. for example. Yes. It's much better if they have their own customers or they might yes. sell to a shop in yep. Sydney or Newcastle yep. and that they have multiple um, outlets yeah. for not only promotion but actually Which selling their product. Which is good business practice, a diversified That's customer right. base. Yeah. Because if you only sold to restaurants mm-hmm. mm. in the last three months, Ooh. then that would be very nasty. Indeed. So you need more than one customer. Yeah. Profile. Good tip. And four, find ways to remain flexible. It's really <laughs> important that you don't say everything's bad, everything's terrible, mm. um, and adapting takes time, mm. but it, there's no value in dwelling on the past yes. because 
quite possibly any of the traditional models of the past mm. aren't going to bounce back. Mm. Mm. And so if you can be flexible in your thinking mm. and do a bit of research and mm. talk to what other people are doing, find mm. other groups that are willing to help, mm. then I think you can adapt mm. to what will be a different future. Mm. You make a good mm. point. We listened to a Seth Godden webcast yesterday ourselves as a team and one of the points that he made, an observation he made about COVID-19 was you can't just sit there and just not make a decision. At some point, you've got mm. to do something. Mm. We've got one more tip, and then we've got a couple of good questions I think that I'd love for you to have a chance to answer. But the last tip is uh, listen and learn from your community. So you might think you've got a great idea to do something, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past. You yeah. know, That'll work. That's yeah. a great idea. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and it just falls flat. Yep. And then you have to actually find out why. Yes. Um, because yes. otherwise you can't evolve and adapt to yep. come up with what your community actually wants. Yep. Jen asks, what is the relative cost difference between producing food in this ethical way versus mm. how food is currently commercially produced? Mm. And can you shed light as to why it costs more? Yeah, that's a great question. I can talk to chicken. Um, yep. Yep. We're producing... Uh, um, slow-grown heritage chickens mm -hmm. uh, that were costing us yeah. uh, $5 per one-day-old bird to mm -hmm. buy off um, a producer. Yep. And there's only a couple of producers in Australia that do this yep. and do it well. And um, you grow those birds for 12 weeks instead of six to seven weeks. Okay. Um, on grass, which means you're constantly moving them to regenerate the fields. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as opposed to a shed where you can completely manage the environment mm -hmm. provided the power doesn't fail. Yeah. Um, and so there's more costs, more time, more labour involved. Mm. And then um, you're limited to abattoirs. There used to be two abattoirs open to the public in Victoria. Now there's only one mm -hmm. for the entire state. And we're lucky we have an abattoir in the Hunter Valley that mm -hmm. we can use and another one up near Port Macquarie. Yeah. So we're a bit better off than Victoria, but still very vulnerable to that problem. Yeah. And it costs on a commercial basis $5.50 a bird to yes. process. Right. So you're already up to $11 before you even start yeah. growing the chicken. So tell me, mm. just even with your business model, uh, given that you've got that limited uh, production access with regards to the abattoir, mm. I guess they have a bit of a call over you, even for negotiating when you can get your birds there and, and when mm. their line is available. Is, mm. How does that work? You have to develop relationships mm. with the people that offer a service that's not mm. widely available. Mm. And, and it's give and take in the relationship. Mm. And often as a new producer, it's mm. very hard mm. to do that because mm. you think everything's gonna go the way you planned it. Mm. and. Mm. You know, you might get a, a 45 degree day in mm. November where the wind blows hot for, f for five hours and mm. um, it's very difficult on the animals. You mm. might turn up at the, the processing facility to mm. find out that everybody else has turned up and it's an eight hour wait. So you've got to mm. go and come back again. Mm. Or you might just find that um, they've decided to close and not tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you turn up <laughs> and go back. Um, so I think on a small scale, it's quite understandable why mm. we need traditional 
commercial food yeah. processing and supplies, and they've got a very valuable a good, place in Australia, balance. and we're yeah. very lucky yeah. that we have overall good, clean food from yeah. multiple sources. Cheryl asks, I live on the Central Coast, any advice on starting a great Central Coast food trail? Um, I have a talk with um, Landcare and yep. also um, look for other producers that are interested in collaborating as uh, a means of uh, educating the community mm. about the produce that you make. Yeah. I think the community are interested. Yes. Um, it does take a little time to yes. work out a model that yep. suits your area, which will be different than our model because yep. everyone has their own needs. Yep. Okay, Sue, you've been amazing and so generous with your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I've, I've been a consumer of products from the, the trail. I, I, I have some, uh, some gin, farmer's wife gin from up that way, bought it from the shop and we have some wine. So it very much recommend uh, the, the experience. So thank mm. you so much. We really appreciate it. And we would love to have you back at another time. You're very talk, welcome. Thank more. you for the opportunity. No, you're, you're welcome. And I know we, before we go, we might just do a little plug for the, the cleansing hand gel. Do you just want to tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, Wild Temple uh, produce perfume, soaps and bath products. Yeah. And during um, the early stages of the pandemic, no one could get sanitizer. Mm. So April yeah. um, decided to start making her own hand gel, mm. which was above the minimum standard of 70% alcohol, but yeah. also made with beautiful yeah. local oils yeah. and a great adaptation. I think we had that out for sale very quickly. Indeed. Um, and just one of the many ways producers can adapt. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Okay. So first of all, I've already thanked Sue, but I'd like to thank her again. If you'd like to contact Sue, as I said earlier, please reach out to us and we'll forward uh, details on to Sue and she can share a little bit about your model and how mm. it operates and some of the partners that can be able to assist. If you want a subsidised business advisory session uh, by the New South Wales Government's Business Connect program, uh, please Google Business Connect and you'll easily be able to find someone in your area who can provide wonderful support with a business advisor through Business Connect, a, a great New South Wales Government program. If you want to contact us at the Business Centre, uh, please Google the Business Centre or email us at reception at businesscentre.com.au. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre.